grace and peace upon you, Fresno First family. Good morning. And joy to you. If you are new, welcome. Uh, we've got connection cards. If you could please fill those out so we can stay connected, that would be really, really cool. And for everyone else, hey, if you have something new, if, um, if you get a new birthday or you want to celebrate it on a different day, if you, cha- if you move, if you get a new phone number, a new email address or something like that, could you keep us updated? And uh, fill out connection card. Also, if you have a prayer request, fill it in there. And then that will give us an opportunity to pray for each and every one of us. And so with that, let's go to the Lord as his people of? Oh, I love that. There's like 60% of us are ready to pray. As his people of? There we go. That's gooder. Heavenly Father. Lord, we come before you, for you alone are holy. We come to you by faith, Lord, in your Son and by your Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your church. We thank you for drawing us near to you. We thank you for our very lives and our very breath. We thank you for the rain. And we also ask that you watch out for all of those that are affected by the rain. Heavenly Father, remind us frequently and often, that you created us on purpose and for purpose. We offer to you our trials, we offer you our tests, we offer you our challenges, and we ask that you give us strength and persevere in our faith that as and fulfill the promise in which you give us that we would become mature and we would lack nothing. Lord, we ask that you forgive us when we feel like we failed or, or we feel like quitting and, and help us Forgive those that have quit on us, have hurt us, disappoint us. Don't live up to those expectations that we set on ourselves and others. Remind us that we are to reflect you in all aspects of our life, not just once a week, but every moment of every day throughout the year and all years. Lord, increase our faith and, and help us learn to rejoice. Help us learn to have joy through perseverance in those times when it gets dark. Lord, we ask that you bring a drummer uh, to help us worship in song, that you would watch over and heal and touch those who are sick and hurting among us and in our communities, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, or whether it's spiritual. Be with our leaders and guide them through your mercy. And we ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said... Amen. If you are able, would you please stand as we go before the Lord um, and prepare our hearts to, to worship in song. So holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning, our song shall rise to thee. So whether it's in the morning, whether it's in the afternoon, or whether it's in the evening, we have a song in our hearts that the Lord gives us. And we should lift that song up to the Lord. For that is a gift unto him. Oh. 
and all the time. And it is good to worship in the house of the Lord. Amen. Because he holds the what? The victory.
Amen. You may be seated. And you all know that you can use your hands like the whole time if you really, really want to. It's, a, it's good aerobics. It's cardio. We're supposed to worship our God with our whole being. And so that's one of the reasons we stand. <clears throat> In our missions moments, I, I was just reading a story about Pastor uh, Shauna McGaw. Uh, Mc- my apologies, Megara. And uh, in the middle of the night, she was suddenly awoken by the Lord with this overwhelming burden on December 19th of 2022, just last year. And she was unable to escape um, this feeling of this need to reach out to the homeless in her community of Joplin, Missouri. See, it was, it was December and and the temperature was starting to get colder, and, and the, the forecast said there was going to be storms, and, and it was just going to get worse. And she didn't want those that were the most defenseless in the community go without with the cold temperatures and the, and the impending storm. And this Holy Spirit wake-up call in the middle of the night led to Joplin's first permanent homeless shelter. And it opened on January 4th. Of this year, 2023. And the shelter is located at Joplin First Church of the Nazarene. And uh, it's, open, it's only open twice a week. It's not open all the time. It's open twice a week. And it's for the homeless population to get food, to get clothing, to get out of the elements, and to take showers. Uh, Pastor McGarry was sharing that um, a couple of the guys came in and they were talking to her and they said, we haven't eaten in, in three days. Another guy shared with the pastor, he goes, I've just been eating out of dumpsters. Other people were sharing that everything they had got stolen. Others came in, they, they had nothing. And, and Pastor McGarris said that, that the church is, has a responsibility to, and they're called to love people in our communities and the homeless are a part of our community. And then also beyond these necessities of food and, and showers and clothing and, and just getting out of the elements, the church has also gathered together and come together as God's people. And they're, they're helping those without prepare for job interviews, to uh, get IDs, to get driver's license, they, giving rise to job interviews. Stuff, so many things, there's so many things we take for granted. So it's not just they're helping, giving a hand out. They're giving a hand up. Because that's what compassion is. It's one thing to just be nice, but God calls us to be kind. And in that, that's the hard work. And then during the, the cold temperatures, when it's not unsafe to be out on the streets, they open the doors to be a warming center. That during the day or in the evening, whenever it is that they potentially could freeze to death. There's a, a refuge and a shelter within the walls of the church. So this morning, I want to lift up our sisters and brothers at Joplin First Church of the Nazarene, and uh, that God would continue to bless their community through them. And so I ask that we pray. Lord, we love you, and we praise you for moving your body in Joplin to open their hearts and the church to the most vulnerable and forgotten and invisible of their community. That the church becomes a source of hope in a time of despair, a time of renewal, in a time of brokenness, a time of spiritual awakening, in a time of, of being lost in darkness. 
that the homeless community, Lord, would be embraced. And we ask you to continue to bless and multiply their efforts and their ministry to your glory, that lives would be saved and those saved would, would come to even greater knowledge in following you and be saved through and through. And we continue to ask that you can pour into Pastor McGraw and get, continue to give her vision and the strength to follow you and your will at all times. And we lift up our sisters and brothers that are doing your work, Jesus, as your hands and feet in the streets of Joplin, Missouri, and doing so in your name, and it's in your name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. All right, we're going to get back to aerobics, so everybody stand up if you're able to. <clears throat> it's cold outside, so you can clap your hands. It also keeps them dry. In Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, it reads, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fails. They are new every morning, and great is your faithfulness. See, God never changes. He never fails, and his great compassion is renewed every day and every morning because he is faithful.
seated. And I'd like to ask Jordan to come on up and, and pray for our offering. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to say a prayer for our Good morning. <laughs> prayer for our offering this morning. Um, God is good, and I just pray that he would uh, just bless this time of offering. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you give graciously. You give abundantly. And I just pray, Lord, that as we worship you in our tithes and our offerings, that you would just take, take what we have, give us hearts that are eager to give, and just bless this offering for your will and your glory. And we just know, Lord, that you are working through this church, but we're also the church, and we would just partner with uh, our brothers and sisters around the world, um, in Fresno and in, in, in Joplin and, and around the world, that you would just bless the tithes and offerings to, for your kingdom and your will and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And uh, Timmy. Would you like to come up and share with us a little bit about what's going on in our prayer ministry? Okay, we take prayer seriously here at Fresno First, and one of the ways we do this is we have a very active prayer chain. Um, we have a group of prayers who take your requests and bring them to the Lord. And over the years, we've had many, many requests lifted up and many praises for these answered prayers. And I'm sure that many of you in here, sitting here now, will say, yes, I remember when they prayed for me. This is a way of showing our church family that we care, that we love them, and it's showing that we believe in the Lord and we are partnering with him. He lays the requests on our hearts, and we pray about that, and they go up, and he deals with us. And we are so thankful for that. So if you are interested, <clears throat> excuse my voice, if you are 
interested in knowing more about our prayer chain, please call me, give me a call, or catch me here at the church. Now, some people may not have directories, and I talked with Lori, and she's going to have some printed up next week. And you should know all the phone calls of the people here, so you can be able to call and, and talk to them. Uh, so if you have any interest at all, I'd like to answer your questions, and we would just really welcome you to us. Thank you. And Pastor Chad, he's going to share a little bit about um, what our seniors have going on once a month. Oh, on, on. Yes, when Pastor Steve was asked by the church to uh, develop a ministry for senior citizens or a senior citizen ministry, one of the things he established was a monthly dinner together. And we've been doing that now for several months, and it's a great time for folks to get together and get, get to know each other better. Just wonderful to really get to feeling like you really know some people. We've been meeting at uh, DeSico's restaurant. It's uh, good Italian cooking at a real reasonable price. And we just meet there, and so far, been as many as 10 or 12 of us, usually about eight, sometimes five. <laughs> But we'd like to just invite everybody, all of you folks, uh, if you feel like you're okay with meeting with older folks, you know, 55 or so, <laughs> or 86 like I am, <laughs> come, come and join us. Uh, we just get together at the restaurant there, always fall into good conversation. We have a short uh, devotional. It starts as soon as the waitress has taken all the orders. That way we're not interrupting anybody's talk because we've been concentrating her. And we make sure the devotion is over by the time the plates are set on the table. We don't want your food to get cold. And then after that, it's just good fellowship across the table. Talk with each other, get to know each other better. It's just a wonderful time and a great time to be together once a month. So second Tuesday of every month at 11.30 in the morning, and usually at DeSecos, that will always be announced. Come, come and meet with us, and God bless you. Pastor Chad? And uh, Jordan, why don't you come on up here? We got we got we got quite a few announcements, and then it's also we got some promises of announcements. So, want to do a couple quick announcements on our uh, prayer meeting from Tuesday, uh, nine to ten. Um, and like we announced last week, uh, if you're not able to join uh, and you want to ring in, please do. Uh, uh, fill out a connection card, give with Pastor Jason, and we can make that uh, happen. So that's one. And then the other would be the uh, survey. So I apologize for this point, but uh, just been a little bit of delay. We had the holidays and some sickness, but uh, we are taking the surveys for the pastoral search, and we are going to uh, wrap those up this month by the uh, 29th. Um, and I will be taking them to the district office and handing those to uh, district office so Pastor Rob and team can uh, facilitate those. So definitely an important note there, but uh, just wanted to let everyone know. If you need a survey, um, just get with the board member. Yeah. I am getting trained to how to use this, so bear with me on patience. 
I want to piggyback on Pastor Chad real quick. And so I was talking to Pastor Steve, and he shared that the, the group that meets at the Chico's meets so regularly and is so, like, knows the staff so much that the manager came over and they prayed over her because she's going to have a baby. And so that is, when people in a restaurant come and approach a table for prayer, that's something pretty that you'd, you'd, you, get, you can't take that for granted in a public restaurant. So praise God for that. And so last week, uh, I promised everybody that we were going to meet as a board, and we did, by the grace of God. And, uh, and I want to thank all of our, can you just do this for our board members? Um, it, was, it was almost a four-hour board meeting, and we covered a lot of stuff. Lord willing, we'll never have that one long again. Uh, but we, we have some awesome stuff coming our way, and we needed to be all on the same page. And I wanted to go ahead and address this because awesome days are coming for Fresno First. Huge days are coming for Fresno First. And we're going to lean into God, and we're going to do it prayerfully, and we're going to do it mindfully, and we're going to ask for his blessing upon all we do. And that's what we did as a board. We aren't going to God and saying, this is what we're going to do, bless it. We're saying to the Lord, what would you have us do that you would be glorified in? And so Jordan and I are going to play uh, back and forth. And so Jordan, you can go ahead right here. Thanks, Pastor Jason. Yeah, um, a long board meeting, but definitely got a lot covered. So uh, we wanted to just do a couple of uh, announcements on some upcoming uh, items for the church. So as you know, we've done Grow Group, and Grow Group has been a book where we pick a, um, a book and we read it through the month, and then we talk about it. And um, I really enjoy it. It's a, just a good conversation, and um, we have to thank Chad, Pastor Chad for uh, the book idea. Uh, um, I'm Blake, Jim and Casper. Casper and Jim. Yes, go to church. Jim and Casper, Jim and Casper go to church. Yes, uh, so we're excited for that. We're going to start that again in March, and um, we'll do that in March, and then uh, again in August and November, and then we'll get some more information to come. We'll get the books ordered, and then we'll have that, uh, we'll have that time. Oh, books will be here next week? Cool. Thanks, Katie. See, see we're a team. You already know what's going on. So, yeah, uh, we're really excited ab about that. All right, uh, the second announcement, we're going to start a Bible study midweek. Oh, all right. <laughs> Thank you, Shelly. Shelly will be there. <laughs> and, and so it's going to be on Wednesday nights from 6 to 7, and it's, it's called the Basics Bible Study, and it, it is basic, so, and it's not basic. Uh, it's broken up in three parts, and so it's probably going to take the better part of the whole year. Uh, we start in the Gospels, and we, we unpack the Gospels, and then we go to the Old Testament, and we begin to look at the Old Testament through the eyes of the Gospels. And we begin to see Christ and his coming um, into the Gospels through the Old Testament. And then we jump into the New Testament in Acts. We go all the way through Revelation. We don't hit every story. We don't hit every, everything. But we follow this theme of Jesus all the way through the story of God. So if you are a new uh, believer or you don't have a lot of confidence in reading Scripture, we're going to talk about how do you read your Bible context of the Bible. Who was it written when we read it? Uh, who, who first read it? Who wrote it? Why? What was the purpose of that book? And we just take a, a different chapter each week and we break it down. If you're an old timer and a theologian, uh, an expert in all things scripture, uh, you'll enjoy it. Plus we'd, we'd ask that you come in and you share your experience. And uh, we'd, we touch on some things that are 
that are pretty interesting, and it's going to be challenging, and I invite everybody to consider that because it also partners with our small groups. Yep. There we go. Small groups will be starting uh, the week of the uh, 15th, um, or that, that time frame, to coincide with the uh, Basics Bible Study. And uh, that's something we've also done in the past, too, is you know, combine that, kind of do the all-church study, and making that with the small groups. So really excited for that. Um, and yeah, we're going to be utilizing that uh, Bible study as our resource to go through. And I think it's just a great way to take a deeper dive and then to have that small group feel with, um, with our groups. So... Looking forward to that as well. All right, so there is some interest in Sunday school. All right, and so we're going to have a Sunday school planning meeting coming up on February 5th. That is the second month and the fifth day of that month from 9.30 to 10.30 in the morning, which would be Sunday school time. And we're going to talk about, we want to see the interest of the congregation of who wants to be a part of a, of a Sunday school. Uh, we're also going to share about the logistics and, and, and make sure that we have all of our bases covered. Jesus clearly states that you don't build a house without counting the cost, and we don't want to start Sunday school without making sure we take into account all the nails. And, uh, and also, we're going to share about the style. It's going to be a different style of Sunday school, and we're going to share this vision of what it is. And if you're interested, so that's hopefully that whets your appetite, uh, W-H-E-T. And uh, everybody can go ahead and think about participating in Sunday school, 9.30 to 10.30, Sunday mornings. That's why we're calling it Sunday school. And it'll be on February 5th. It will be our planning meeting. Um, and then uh, we're also going to probably, and we'll talk about in the planning meeting, uh, moving from, um, from calling it Sunday school to maybe life groups because the focus is going to be on life and growing together. And we can discuss more of that on when? February 5th. All right, good. All right, and then uh, another thing that uh, Pastor Jason brought up that I uh, thought was just really cool was um, a 24 hours a day of prayer. Uh, Timmy mentioned the importance of prayer, and I, I think we all uh, are united on that. And so we're going to be doing that most likely around the summertime. But um, just be thinking and praying about that because that's a time where we can really spend some focused time throughout that 24 hours of prayer. So there's going to be sign-ups, there's going to be intervals um, and stations, correct, mm -hmm. Pastor Jason? Yeah, so there will be some stations. Um, we'll get more information on that, but just look forward to that sometime in the summer. So just being also in prayer for that. But uh, it's going to be an exciting time of prayer. Just for a hint on that, so the first station is going to be praying out the names of God back to God. So on one of the walls here, we'll have a bunch of different scriptural names for God. And we get to sit there and contemplate and pray back to the Lord who he is to remind us not only who is, but who we are in him. Uh, the last Sunday of every month is going to start looking a difference. It'll look a little different here at Fresno First. It's going to be Family Sunday. And so with that, all of our kids, everybody, we're going to worship together. Uh, we're going to take communion together. Instead of having missions moment, we're going to have children's church. And so the kids are going to be up here on the stage with me, and we're going to have a good time. And, um, and then in that, uh, afterwards, while I'm talking to Pastor Steve, uh, we may be meeting afterwards and just having a little bit of pizza if anybody wants to join us for fellowship. So the pizza, we're going to be coming along, but the communion, the children's church, and... Um, and Family Church will be starting this month.
And then just uh, another item here for that kind of in the board meeting is our outreach and our serve. We, we definitely don't want to neglect that as a church, and we want to kind of start that off on a process that we can partner with someone. So we'll be continuing to partner with CASA, but one new uh, item that we talked about as a board is to partner more with the Fresno Rescue Mission. There's a lot of service available um, in your missions moment, Pastor Jason, about Joplin and that homeless ministry. I mean, we have a great... Christian ministry here for the homeless uh, in Fresno, and that's through the Rescue Mission and Rescue the Children, which is a partner organization, just a branch of the Rescue Mission that really focuses on women and children that uh, come from really difficult situations that need they, they need help, uh, and we want to partner with them. So really looking forward to that. Uh, that's going to be a focus for this year for our serve. So pray for the mission, the rescue mission. Pray for the uh, opportunities to serve, and we're going to come along and do that uh, as a church. Uh, and again, continue to partner with Costa and some other opportunities, but that's just going to be a focus from uh, our board meeting. And then uh, if you have any questions, too, please ask the board about that. We want to answer that. And then lastly, the Hanford uh, Church uh, of the Nazarene, there's a few distribution, and um, we can participate in that as well. They have, Pastor Jason was telling us about the amazing program that they have there that started out with practically nothing, and it's developed into... Uh, a gigantic food service uh, and distribution opportunity. So there's always going to be uh, that to serve as well. They've got a great platform for us to uh, partner with them in Hanford to to serve. And uh, and last, I just ask that we pray. It, it, prayer is an underutilized tool in our lives, and yet it is the most powerful. Uh, I would think that uh, prayer for a Christian equals our very breath. And so I would ask that we, as the body of Christ, would go ahead and pray to, one, give thanks to God for what he's doing at the church, and then also to just ask his blessings on where he's leading us. And, uh, and just do that throughout the week, every day, and just ongoing as we give testimony to what God is doing. So uh, now I'm going to pray and give it back to Pastor Jason. Uh, thank you all. And just be in prayer for, for those items. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us a day to, to come together to worship you, to be with our, our brothers and sisters here. I just pray for our pastor. I'm so thankful for the time that he spent uh, thinking and praying through these um, these ministry opportunities that you have. And I just am so excited for what you have to come, Lord. And I just pray that as we hear your word today, give us ears and to hear uh, a heart that's open to uh, what you would have for us. And I pray for our pastor, Lord. Just give him a peace and an assurance as he preaches um, your word this morning. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles or apps, we're going to land in uh, the book of James. We're in a series in James. And we're in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And so I, I remember, and this is a true story, it's great. I had, I had Shelly and I have these friends, and they've been married for 60 years, which is a long time. And uh, we were invited to their, their 60 year wedding anniversary celebration. It was a great time. And, and I go over there, and, and I'm talking to, to the husband and the wife, and I go, 60 years of wedded bliss, and they laughed. And, and, and the husband said, well, 40, and the wife said, 45 max. And I said, of what? They said, wedded bliss. 
the rest has been tough. The rest, the rest was, was a challenge. The rest was a test. And it wasn't always easy. But we persevered and we, we never gave up. The, um, you know, it just reminds me of the, of the vows that are taken off in a marriage. It's for better or for, richer or, sickness and in, yeah. Love, honor, cherish, and husbands obey your wives. <laughs> I wasn't going to go ahead and step, on, step into that. Uh, so that's a sermon for another day. Yes, love. <laughs> Trials and tests and challenges are, are, are part not only of our life, but they're part, part of marriage, and that's a great example. And, and when we think about the longevity of marriage and the celebration, and oftentimes in, in weddings, there's on the dance floor, they call out every married couple, and, and they start a song, and shortly thereafter the song starts, the DJ begins to count upward, and, and has anybody been married for less than a year? And boom, people leave. And then they, they work their way up. And by the time people get to the DJ gets to about 15 years, half the floor is gone. Hey, Pastor. And yes, sir. Sorry, just one quick note. It's their 60 second wedding anniversary. I just today, want to so. tell everybody <laughs> today, 62 years ago, Mary and I were married. Yeah. Woo! There we go. It hits my hearing aids different. Uh, congratulations. You know, there, it's, there's nothing, that's nothing short of a miracle of God's grace. And, you know, and, and so, you know, Bill and his wife, they'd be out there and, and they'd be dancing and, and surely they'd be the last ones, if not one of the last ones, to finish that dance. And, and that, it's a reminder of this this marriage covenant that that we enter into between two people and with God and and then we celebrate this commitment to permanence where two become one and and then even in in premarital counseling and postmarital counseling so if you ever come to me for marriage counseling you're gonna hear this question so be prepared how long do you plan on being married and I've heard a litany of answers sometimes the um Tension gets very thick in the room. We'll just leave it there. But most often than not, somebody or both say, for the rest of our lives. And, you know, it, it, it's these points that, that all reinforce this tell death do us part commitment. Tell death to us part is, is a marriage of perseverance. It's a marriage, or, it's an, it's a marriage of endurance. And it's a marriage um, a marriage of covenantness. And so how does this reply to, look into our faith and what does this look like regarding our faith? Because we are called by God to respond to God in a faith, in a faith that's a covenant. It's a covenant between you and God. It's a covenant between you and God's people. It's a reminder of the covenant between God and his people. And it endures life's struggles, the tests, the trials and the challenges. You know, it's not always covenant bliss in life, is it? You know, and, and in that faith and we're responding to God, it, it teaches us to cooperate with others and, and we learn as Christians to, to have a mindset of 
play nice with others, even when others aren't playing nice. And it, it recognizes also that maybe we don't have all the answers. Perhaps God put us together in this, in this family that he designed by his own making, that when we don't have the answers, someone else does. When we don't know what to do because of the challenges we're going through in life, somebody else has already entered into them. And like an, a wedding couple that, that enters into covenant with God and each other, we as Christians enter into covenant with God and each other. When we confess Jesus as our Lord, when we confess him as our Savior, and a covenant that we are to reflect, a tell death do us part faith. So I got a question for us all. How long do you plan to follow Christ? The rest of the day? The week? Can you hold out for a month? Maybe a year? Decade? What's it going to take for you to quit? To throw in the towel? How committed are you to persevere in a tell death to us part faith that leads us to the fullness of, of God? To... to understand to to experience the promise of God a faith that lacks nothing are we committed to openness that we can experience joy even in the harshest and cruelest circumstances that we don't want to imagine when life is hard when life is painful when it's confusing or do we just ask God why are you punishing me again because I apparently am not perfect and I don't meet your standards. This is where we're going this morning. And we're doing it through James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4. So if you are able to stand, please stand for the word of God. James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This has been the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <clears throat> See, James begins this letter, and he writes it to the whole family of God. He writes it to who? Us, brothers and sisters. He reminds us of that, that family tree that we belong to by faith. And, that, and as he writes it to the scattered and persecuted people that we covered and talked about last week, he reminded them that they're not alone, that they're part of a family even those that they may never see again because they belong to the family of God. And also that it's a reminder that, that their actions represent something far more greater, far more larger and grander than themselves. That how they talk, how they live, how they interact with each other and others, everything represents that family that family of God. And, and they are to do so as brothers and sisters because those around them in the towns in which they're living and hiding and being persecuted, they're watching them, thinking and wondering, how long are they going to hold out? When is enough enough? 
How are they going to respond when the pressure really, really goes? The, everybody knows that, you know, how a diamond's made, right? You take the dirtiest of coal, you put it under pressure and time, and out comes a diamond. That's kind of what James is talking about today, and a death to us part faith. See, there's this uh, football player, high school player, and uh, uh, CIF championship. We were talking about um, CIF football this morning. And uh, this, this kid, he played his heart out. He played well. He, he didn't really mess up at all. And they lost. So after the game, he starts walking to, you know, after the locker room, he starts walking over to the, uh, to the, uh, to the car. His family's over here waiting for him. He's got his jersey on, his, his pants on. He's holding his, his shoulder pads. And he's got his helmet. He said a very not good word, and he throws his helmet against the fence. And then here comes Grandma. She walks over. She puts his arm around him, and, and she says, I love you. And you played hard. You gave everything you had on that field. And I am so proud of you, grandson. You have no idea. And I just want to remind you and to just don't forget one thing. Is that every action you take represents all of you and all you take with you. You see, that jersey that you're wearing represents your team, your school, and this community. That name on the back of your jersey represents your family, which includes me. You know, your face represents who you are and growing into and also who you place your faith in. See, when you played your best today on that field, win, lose, or whatever, it showed respect to all those you carry with you. It showed respect to yourself to God, to your family, to your faith, to your community, to your team. So what do you think, what kind of respect does it show when you throw your helmet across the, the parking lot and into a fence? Does that show respect to your team? Does that show respect to your community? Does that show respect to your family or your faith or yourself? Because everybody in the parking lot was looking at you. What does that say? And then the grandma looks and the, her grandson has got tears running down his eyes. He's got dirt from the game still on. And he feels like he just got ran over by a train. This is grandma. And she goes, I believe in you. I believe in who you are. And don't you ever forget that you are never alone. We, all who represent you, that you carry with you, are always with you. So as Christians, let us not be so naive to think that the world is not watching and making judgment on us and how we live our faith out as brothers and sisters, by our love for each other, by our love for our faith, by our love of God. And those things that we say that we're going to do, do we really do them because somebody's watching? Somebody's in the parking lot. Do we give it all we have? Or is everybody just watching us constantly throw our helmet against the fence? 
You see, I love to hear how people speak about God and his people. <clears throat> because although I may not always agree, I also know that I cannot argue because of what people have seen and how we act and represent Christ. And not just as individuals, but also as churches. Everything that we do as a body, as a person, gets projected onto God and each and every one of us. We get. Please put your ringers on silent. Oh, do as I say, not as I just did. Um, and we are painted with the actions and attitudes of our, of our brothers and sisters as family. And that's, that's one of the reasons James starts off this, this verse with brothers and sisters. A reminder that we're not alone, that each interaction is important. Because each interaction bears witness to what we believe and how our faith is lived out, whether poorly or inspired. When we interact with each other in our homes, in our works, in school, and family, and friends, and hobbies, and, and whatnot, uh, even the way that we drive in our community, um, it reveals if we have integrity or dishonesty and allows people to make a general statement about our belief, and they hold that general belief upon all of us. All right, so we've all seen this person, and please... It's an illustration. I'm not talking about anybody specific, okay? So you got that person that has the bumper stickers, right? And it's N-O, God, N-O, peace, K-N-O-W, God, K-N-O-W, peace, no God, no peace, no God, no peace. Uh, it may say, uh, in case of rapture, this car won't have a driver. Uh, Jesus, take the wheel. Um, let's see here. Faith over fear, not of this world. And then they are driving as reckless as reckless can be. Somebody who doesn't know the church certainly is going to understand that person is representing Jesus. And what does that say? Well, clearly that uh, Christians can't drive worth a snot. And that God is okay with very reckless driving and endangering the lives of everybody on the road. So very vast generalization, but those are some of the arguments that I hear as a pastor, that I hear as a Christ follower. How can you believe in a God when, when people are trying almost running me over on the road and they got the Jesus bumper stickers? You know, the um, so I, I I wear this cross all the time. It's usually in my shirt, but I wore it outside today because. When I wear it, it looks different, right? It's not hidden. It's out there. So let's just say I got this on. And I, if, you know, or I've got a Jesus shirt on. And, and I go and I help somebody who is with compassion and loving kindness. And I help them out. And I do so because God prompted me to. Because for whatever reason, they needed help. And I had the ability. And I help them out. And they say, what's your name? And I go, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Just, just another follower of Jesus. And I'm just helping you out because God loves you. And I want you to know that I love you. And that's it. That person is going to have an understanding that Christians are what? 
loving, compassionate, humble. They believe in a God that, that cares about all peoples and all persons. And then they're going to go ahead and paint every Christian they know with that same mentality. See, <clears throat> how we act casts a light in whom we place our faith. And in a way, it casts a net over all that share our common faith. And this means that when we are faced with life's trials, with life's challenges, with, with life's tests, how we respond to these makes a statement about God. It makes a statement about each other. It makes a statement about what we believe. It makes a statement about the depth of our faith, and it makes a statement about ourselves. And the reason I, believe, I bring this up is that whenever we face trials of any kind, James writes that we're consider, we are to consider it nothing. Challenges, consider it nothing. Tests, consider it nothing. But joy. Consider it nothing but joy. And these have a purpose that our faith may be complete. So we are lacking nothing. And when we lack nothing, we become content. See, joy and a complete faith are not only for us as individuals but, and personal, but they're also for a communal response, a global response, a church response, like Joplin. And it's a reflection of who we represent, that we are the people of God as brothers and sisters, as sisters and brothers, and we together are going to reflect God's family characteristics because we're part of his family. It's written on the back of our jersey. It's written in the way that we speak. It's written in the way we act. St. Francis of Assisi said, uh, share God at all times and at a last resort, use words. You know, a response to God and His faithfulness that sustain all of us even during the darkest times is when we consider joy. May we think of joy as simple contentment in whatever pre present moment or circumstances we find ourselves. That's where joy is found. In simple contentment. And understanding even the darkest or best of times, doesn't matter the circumstances we find ourselves, that we are content and with Christ and persevering that we will lack nothing. And we have to remember that joy is a gift of the Spirit that we read in Galatians 5. It's a fruit of the Spirit. There's love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and... Joy. Thank you. Joy. Joy is contentment and the fruit that God gives us when we give our hearts and lives over to Him. And God does this for each and every one of us as sisters and brothers because we are united in Him. See, Jesus states that all who know and do the will and Father are His brothers and sisters. That's what Jesus said. And now James is saying something very similar. And that's just kind of cool. You know, the other thing is that, are we all going to agree? Anybody have brothers and sisters? Just raise your hand. Did you ever fight? Yes. We fight. We disagree. We argue. My little brother once hit me upside the head with a huge piece of granite and almost knocked me out. And as I'm chasing him to kill him, he, he uh, 
uh, crawls under a desk that my mom's in with one of those corded phones, you know, the old school dial phones, and then looks at me and laughs, sticks his tongue out. And then my mom, of course, thought it was my fault that he's scared and I've got blood coming out of the side of my head. Um, so we don't get along, right? And, and just I'm reminded that like years ago, I'm not going to say which one, but um, our two sons, we got two of them, and, and one of them in particular was having an incredibly difficult season of life, going through trials and tests and challenges. And he is, he is a young kid, and uh, he was having a particular hard season and a particular hard week and a particular hard day at a very particular hard dinner. And he was, he was not content, we'll just say that. And he was not happy. And we were sitting there, and he was kind of refusing to eat his vegetables and I, I've learned a lot more as a dad. I don't respond like that. I said, I'm, we're going to sit here. I'm going to sit here with here unless it's all night. And you're going to eat every one of those vegetables. Do you understand me? Because your mama made them. And he looked at me and he said, I quit you. <laughs> it wasn't really funny that night. <laughs> and, but my immediate response is, you cannot quit family, so eat your vegetables. And he did. He ate them all right there, and then he went and threw them all up. I'm going to call that a win-win situation. <laughs> and so later on, you know, just like I quit you became synonymous with you can't quit family. And so no matter how tough it is, no matter how much you want to quit, you can't quit family. You can't quit God. You can't quit your church. You can't quit your brothers and sisters. You can't quit yourself. Because you can't quit family. And that's what it takes to have a death do us part faith. And when we don't quit, when we persevere, we begin to see the best in each other, even when it's tough. We invest into each other, even when others don't want to be invested upon. And we love one, want love one another, even when others are lo not lovable. And remember that we can't do any of that without God. And it also means that we need to see the best in ourselves. We need to invest in ourselves. And we need to learn to love ourselves because God sees the best in you. God invests in you. And if no one has told you today or recently, God loves you, and I love you. And you're worth it. You see, when we face trials, we want to know that even when the whole world is against us, that we are not alone. You are not alone. I am not alone. We're not alone. And we live into a purpose of persevering and growing in our faith that we hopefully grow older and wiser. And we do so together as a church family. And then James goes on to, to, to say that, <clears throat> that when, whenever you face trials of any kind, and it's not if or might or maybe, it is whenever you face trials of any kind. And, and the current of this understanding is that we can expect trials because James is speaking to those that are being persecuted because of their faith. James is encouraging the believers that, that he's writing to that are facing this persecution to have faith, not despite their faith, 
that they are to respond to God in all of life's situations. And, and the Greek word that, that James uses for, um, for trial is parosmos. And it means to be put to the test. And then when you combine the put to the test with the phrase of many kind, and in the Greek it's many colorful, color, colored, diversified, complex, as well as any and every kind, what we see is this catch-all phrase that James is giving us is when you fall into a situation that tests your faith, no matter the form in which that test, that trial, that challenge takes, be content. Consider it joy. And it covers all areas of our life when we think about the contentment. For example, it's almost tax season. When we're doing taxes, do we cheat on it? No. But it's tempting sometimes. We've got to ask ourselves, are we content to go ahead and pay our taxes? When someone accuses us of doing something wrong, do we respond in kind or not? Are we going to persevere through it? You know, what about when, when you have a commitment and then something funner comes along? Do you lie? Well, not do you get out of it? Maybe stretch the truth a little bit just because you don't want to do the thing you committed to because this other thing sounds so much better? You see, when we persevere, when we maintain integrity, when we hold to rigorous honesty, Trials, we understand that trials are a part of life and they have a purpose to bring us joy. And that every interaction, every trial, test, and challenge, and every circumstances is an opportunity to reveal growth in our faith that we may experience joy. And you know what? Joy is a promise of God. And it's a promise that we will have nothing lacking in our faith by God if we persevere and that means even when we fall on our faces, and, and I'm just speaking to me, that, that I fail, and I probably fail more than I ever succeed, but I've understood that in every single failure, there's an opportunity to learn. And if I can persevere through that learning, then maybe next time when I'm faced with a similar trial, test, or challenge, I'll do a little gooder, and I'll respond a little more joyfully. See, whether or not we admit it, we... When we complete a task, whether it's at work or home or wherever it is, we are being tested. Parosmos. Um, Think of it. You get assigned something to do at work. And then when you're done, your boss and coworkers are like, hey, great job. You just got tested. And doesn't that make you feel good? Because you gave it everything you got. Or say you're at home and, and you cook cook a meal and, and you look around and everybody's just scarfing it down. And you hear like, mm, you know, maybe a little burping, you know, and then somebody gets them to get seconds. Makes you feel good. You're tested. You see, testings are a part of life and how we respond in and through the test express our faith. Tests aren't bad. Tests aren't good. They're a progress report. Tests are not our identity in Christ. But sometimes doesn't it feel like that? When we're up on a challenge, we don't meet that challenge, and then we feel like a failure. We want to quit. 
Maybe we do quit. And when we do that, we close the door and growing in our faith, and we close the door on experiencing a joy, experience a promise of God because we didn't persevere. See, James's statement echoes that of Jesus on Sermon on the Mount. Consider it joy when you are feeling spiritually inadequate. Joy when you are grieving. Joy when you are timid and joy when you are crying out loud to God. And consider it joy when you're insulted. Because Jesus says that these are the moments of blessing. And they are opportunities to reveal Him through us in our faith. And that only happens when we persevere. And when we persevere, we experience joy. And when we encounter trials and testing, we, we sometimes make the wrong assumption that because we're going through an especially difficult time or a difficult season, God is out to punish us because we didn't quite cut the mustard. We didn't meet the standard. We're not holy enough. We're not perfect enough. We just kind of screwed up or we turned the wrong way. We should have taken the off-ramp and we're still going down the road. You know, and, and then we begin to embrace fear. Lord, I don't know what's going on, but some, why are you punishing me and, and all this is happening? I don't know what will become of me. Yeah, I screwed up, but why are you doing this to me? Maybe we get angry and we get angry at God and we're like, God, how could you do this to me? I thought you were loving. I thought you were graceful. I thought you were kind. And, and then why are they doing that to me too? Where are you? Maybe we fall to self-pity and, you know, God, what did I do? Why won't, don't you feel bad for me? You know, why won't anybody feel sorry for me? You know, maybe it's envy, and how come, how come they're not getting your wrath like I am? How come they're not getting punished like I am? Why do I always get the short stick? Why aren't they suffering like me? And then confusion. God, why is this happening? Where are you? You're silent these days. When I talk, I don't even know if my prayers can hit the ceiling. You know, sometimes when we think about this, there's um, Dwight D. Eisenhower had a saying, he says, when you find yourself in hell, keep walking. Keep persevering. Don't give up. Because the light is on the other side. And then maybe we can also consider that when we're faced with these tests and these trials and challenges, maybe it's not about me. Maybe it's about us. You know, maybe these trials and challenges have a purpose and they allow us to, to experience something. Experience the fullness of life. And maybe it's also for me to understand that, that when we face trials, we do it together. We do it as a community, as a church family. And, and then when someone else has a similar trial or challenge or test, then maybe I can be of service to them and walk with them and help them through their hell that they're living through. And when you do that, guess what? You're keeping your eyes on Christ. And there's something that we experience that hopefully everyone here gets to experience. Joy. Have you ever watched a, new, a child learn a new skill? There's a lot of frustration. They want to give up. And often we don't let them. And every single time they accomplish a new skill, there's more and more joy. And it, it could be, hey, where's your nose? That's not your nose. 
That's not your nose. That's not your nose. That's your nose. Good, you found your nose. Tying shoes, drinking from a cup without spilling, walking, learning to go to the bathroom in a toilet is an incredible skill. Think about it. You know, these are, these are all tests and trials that bring joy. It's joy to the child, joy to the parents, joy to the family, and joy to all of us. And the thing is, we're just big kids with more complex problems. See, each skill a child gets adds on to an experience that can be applied to the next trial or challenge, and we do the same. That every trial, challenge, and test allows us to increase our faith, that we have a goal that our faith would be complete. And it gives us an opportunity to grow in our faith if we remember to persevere. Because James moves on to say, to let perseverance finish his work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. There is no such thing as a stagnant Christ follower. We are either growing in our faith or our faith is dying. There's no middle ground. That's it. And and the testing and the trials and the challenges are life-giving because they give us an opportunity to depend more on God, to learn more about His life, to rely more on His people and each other as sisters and brothers and family and be transformed by His Spirit. But that means that we need to embrace, take hold of this tell-death-do-us-part faith. And when we do not endure, when we quit, we nullify all that could be to be. Using marriage as an example, if a young couple calls it quit and divorces, they're, they're also going ahead and closing the doors of all that could be and all that would become. They're nullifying those opportunities that come with a lifelong commitment, including the frustrations and hardships that give way to those precious moments of joy that increases our faith. They're closing the door on successes. They're closing the door on failures that unite us and have us grow closer together. And it's the same with us as Christians and followers of Jesus. We are to preserve in a death-do-us-part faith. See, the more we reflect God in our lives, it doesn't matter if you're a new believer or a seasoned old-timer. It really doesn't matter what you're facing as much as remember the purpose that God loves us enough to give every opportunity to reveal a faith that is whole, complete, and lacking nothing. God gives us an opportunity to have a, a faith that is holy as our Father in heaven is holy. A faith that maintains the biggest picture that the best is yet to come. A faith that reminds us that, that there's still work to be done here and we can't stop. A faith that is intentional and participates and perseveres in a tell death do us part mindset. A faith that works with Christ to prepare all of creation for his return. It's a faith that gives hope. And it's a faith that reveals joy. See, the trials and challenges and tests of life, they're kind of like the waves of the ocean. They're going to come and go. They're going to ebb and flow. They're going to rise and fall. And every so often, you're going to have a tsunami. And how we respond will either show our faith that bears fruit of joy, which gives us strength to persevere or not. How we respond will reveal to the world in whom we place our faith and whom we rely on and who saves us and takes care of us or not. 
See, there's an endless variety of test trials and challenges from family and, and marriage, from children or childlessness, singleness, health, employment, illness, poverty, wealth, friends, loneliness, addiction, suffering, work, promotions, and even life in the church. The list is unending because it comes from our very lives. So how do we persevere? How do we get through? How do we have a faith become mature, complete, and lacking nothing? By embracing a death-do-us-part faith that seeks God, unites with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and never quits because you can't quit family. All right, so our challenge this week is to just share with someone how our struggles are used by God to increase the perseverance of our faith. And if you are able, would you please stand for a blessing? May you lean on God and each other more and more as you face trials. May you persevere when you feel you cannot. May you grow in faith. Keep your heart true to God in all ways, revealing joy that comes from a life of peace and contentment in and through the Holy Spirit, bearing witness to the character of God and God's people as we connect, grow, and serve. You are sent. Amen.